0: and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk.
1: Welcome back folks. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I trust your hearts and souls have been inspired by the uh, recent episodes. We've had some great ones over the last few weeks and they they just keep getting better. Today I think is going to be a little different, uh, unique for Soul Talk. This is the first time we're having a Uh, spiritual channel, uh, medium, uh, on the Soul Talk podcast. He's considered one of the foremost spiritual channels uh, in the world today. Uh, Author, medium, he's authored best-selling books, I Am the Word, The Book of Love and Creation, The Book of Knowing and Worth, The Book of Mastery, uh, The Book of Truth, The Book of Freedom. Uh, And I know he has a a new book coming out, which I'm looking forward to dive into To that as well. Welcome to the Soul Talk podcast, Paul Selig. Paul, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Just heard so many amazing things about you and diving into your book, which is which is really uh, inspiring and insightful. And you know, so you're you're a a spiritual channel and medium, and I think uh, I would love to know, especially for those listening in who may not know what that is and Mm -hmm. may have no idea, you know, what on earth is is a spiritual channel. So could you kind of explain what is, what is a spiritual medium and channel? What do you do? How does, how does that work? And you know, how did you become one? Sure.
2: Well, I mean, it's (laughs) nothing that I ever planned on becoming. I wasn't somebody who necessarily Mm -hmm. put a lot of stock in channeling. I think I was a bit of a skeptic. Um, But I I seem to operate as a radio. It's a form of clear audience, um, and I'm an intermediary between sort of this level of consciousness, this shared reality that we operate through, and the level that the guides that I work with operate. So that's a form of mediumship, although I'm also known as a medium for the living. I have this odd ability to step into other people that are living, still have a body, and I can sort of become them and hear from them here for them it's an odd thing but the channelings Mm. most of what i do and what it really is is taking dictation it's not much more glamorous than that all of the books that you introduced when you gave my introduction were dictated through me so i sit in a chair Mm. i close my eyes i hear one phrase repeated incessantly And then when I give that phrase voice, the rest of the teaching or the book, whatever it may be, you know, tumbles out on top of it. And the transcriptions of those sessions are recorded. Um, I mean, they're recorded and then transcribed and the unedited transcripts become the books. The last three books, maybe three and a half books, were all done in front of audiences, in front of students and, you know, live workshops and live streams and events so really what I am is a clear audience who has this audibility to hear this sort of collective of teachers that seem to be bringing through a rather orderly and sequential teaching on the evolution of consciousness and the embodiment of what they call the true self or the innate divine self that they say is who we all truly are.
1: Mm, got it. And so you, you say you didn't really plan to become a medium. I mean, I don't know no. if anyone can actually plan to become one. You should be even a little skeptical. Mm. So uh, I'm curious, like, ha- how did this happen? I mean, did it just happen a to you one of, day? Like, well,
2: it's a bit of both, truthfully. I mm. was raised an atheist, so I didn't go looking for a spiritual life until it sort of became essential that I look for something more which was when I was 25 I was about a year out of Yale when I it looked like I was doing very well professionally and in fact I was I just was in very good shape and I began mm-hmm. to look for something more really out of sheer necessity and I ended up having experience shortly thereafter I opened up to the possibility that there might be something more um, there was this event people were calling the Harmonic Convergence I heard people were going to be waking up this was 1987 I was. 25 Mm. and I went up to the roof of the building that I lived in and I said well pretty much if there is a God I'd like to be woken up and I I Mm. went up there with some belief that that could happen because I kept thinking well if there is a God or something like a God why would it want to say no And I had an experience of energy that may well have been, I'll never know, self-induced. People said later it sounded like a spontaneous Kundalini awakening, but it was an experience of energy moving through my body and out through the top of my head. And I began seeing little lights around people after that. And I didn't have a context for any of this stuff, given how I was raised. And a friend of mine encouraged me to go see an energy healer to get a context and I did and then I got the courage to study myself and I was volunteering at a center in New York City almost the height of the AIDS epidemic and there were these centers popping up to provide alternative support to people who basically had no no help coming at all from Western medicine in those days and I found that when I had my hands on people's bodies I started to hear things for them and that was how the clear audience really began and it was for them. I was hearing things for them. So if I had my hand on your chest and I heard the name Rosalie, I'd say, Who's Rosalie? And you'd say, Well, that's my mother and my mm. wife or my daughter And as it kept getting confirmed I began to trust it more and I started a little group that met in my apartment. And it meant for 18 years. I think I took a couple of years off once when I got fed up with it all. But 18 Hmm. years, I I sat once a week with whoever would show up, usually sometimes three people, sometimes 25. And Hmm. I would do this work. There was energy that came with the work, and that's what I was so interested in, not the information. I had another career. I was you know, on the faculty of, of NYU for 25 years. I was running a graduate program at a small college in Vermont, Goddard College, you know, during this. And I wasn't really looking to be known for the channeling. In fact, for the most part, I was keeping it pretty quiet, especially at NYU. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, But at one point in 2008, after I'd finally quit smoking, the guys that I work with began lecturing through me and all I really knew was that I was talking more um but it wasn't until that you know they said the guide said in a group you know Paul's not going to believe what's coming through him until he sees it written down that I began recording and transcribing and as I began to do that they became willing and very shortly after that they began dictating books and uh, the, the first book took 2 weeks of dictation it was called I am the word and now there are seven others, six others in print. Wow. And there's an eighth one that's since been dictated. So these things come at the pace of about once a year. And now, oh, now about usually over about 30 days worth of sessions spread out a bit because I do them in front of, of a convened group of students, wherever they may be. Um, but that's it. And that's how it happened. And that's what I do now. I left my academic life about four years ago. And wow. I travel and I do this work and um, the books keep coming. And I have a practice where I help people, you know, with the guides or by tuning into the people in their lives. I'm not a medium for the dead. I don't talk to your Aunt Agnes or your, mm-hmm. your uncle, you know. But if your uncle is living, you know, across town and you're arguing, I can probably hear him pretty well and be mm-hmm. of service in that way. So that's
1: what I do. Got it. Got it. Very clear. Is and now is is there a, I don't know is is is, is there a reason because people might hear that and go Wow that's 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 you know you're gifted you have a special skill you're I don't know you're chosen one or something but is, I'm just wondering is there a reason why everyone doesn't seem to be able to channel be clairaudient be clairsentient, clair clairvoyant I mean. I, I think know. most
2: people are have. I, I think mm-hmm. most people do have some of the gifts at varying stages of development. Clear, clear audience is is an odd one, and I don't know that it's the most helpful one. Clear cognizance, which is true knowing or clear knowing, is the one that I really value because when you know, you're not needing to take dictation from an unseen right. being, which mm. is what I'm doing. Oh. You know, it's,
1: oh.
2: it's when I'm knowing and when I'm channeling, I am in my knowing because I'm, I'm working with them. I don't consider myself terribly special. I do think that there is a skill involved that's been developed over years of sitting, of mm. getting out of the way and, you know, keeping my ego in check so that it does not become about me because I think that's a real danger in this
1: kind of work.
2: Tell me about, um, tell know, about my, that.
1: Tell me about that. That that that. Well, that you said a skill of getting yourself because I think that's applicable yeah. and important, maybe for any aspect mm-hmm. of one's life to be able to to get oneself out of the way sure. and receive information and tune in. And so, h- how do you how do you do that? How can people get themselves out of the, their own way? Well, there's different More.
2: ways people do this. Some people have a healthy meditation practice. You know, every time. Mm-hmm that I channel I do a little prayer protection and I just do that because it sets a field that I like to work in um, there's a lot of stuff out there and I want to tune into the stuff that's going to be the most beneficial um, I tend to when I work imagine that I'm climbing into the back seat of a car and turning the steering wheel over to the guides that I work with which is a visualization that works for me But mostly how it happens for me is that, you know, we all have this chatter in our head and my head can be quite loud and, you know, unpleasant sometimes. Mm -hmm. But when I'm channeling, it's as if there's an interruptive voice that pierces that. And it's a thought that sort of blocks out all of the other thoughts. And once that's given voice, it continues to teach. And my job is to keep up with that voice and not to editorialize it or make it what I want it to be. Or, you know, none of the books are edited. I mean, it's one of the deals I made with my first editor at Penguin when they first started publishing me, because my concern, because, you know, the books can be repetitive at times, there are sentences that go on forever. The language is somewhat archaic at times. but i'm taking the dictation and i was concerned that somebody would want to go back and pretty it up and fix it up and I you know if it's that it's not a channel text and if we're going to publish these things as channel text they need to be authentically channeled not to the Mm -hmm. basis for some other teaching i have nothing against inspiration (laughs) and i think some people and you know most great art or all great art i suppose is truly inspired but I do tend to make a distinction between inspired work when I'm reading I'm Mm. inspired I'm getting information I'm accessing images and thoughts and data about the people that I'm sitting for um, through Mm. tuning into them but I have to interpret that and as long as Mm. there's interpretation involved I don't consider it channeling if there's no interpretation and it's a direct transmission like a radio broadcast then I tend to My job is to flow with it as best I can. Now, you know, I don't have a good meditation practice. I just show up for Mm. this weird thing. But I do think that most everybody does have some innate ability, but we live in a culture that says that we don't. And um, so you have to access the potential for it. My guides say you can't can't claim anything until it's first a possibility. And if it's not a possibility,
1: Mm. you're not even going to ask or claim or accept. So really claiming that possibility. Are there any other ways that uh, someone who perhaps feels they're not that intuitive or open in that way can begin to cultivate their intuitive capacity, maybe not channeling, you know, in a way that you're talking about, but at least just opening to sensing and their intuition. Well,
2: uh, one of the things I often say to people is you can, you can just close your eyes for a moment and go to a time in your life when you knew something, I knew I was in love, I knew I got the job, I knew I was in trouble, I knew the relationship was over, I knew he or she was sick, any time that you truly knew something, and remember what that feels like, and then go to thinking. I'll give you an example. I think I know what I'm having for dinner tomorrow. I think I know how long this relationship will last. I think I know how secure my job is or how long I'm going to live or where my best friend is right now. And you'll find that there's a real distinct difference between knowing and thinking. And Uh I define it as saying, well, when I'm thinking, there's always a question attached still. When I'm knowing, there never is. And your knowing Mm -hmm. self is the intuitive self, that aspect of you who is unafraid and who knows. There's a film that I'm, I'm not meaning to plug it, but I'm one of the people interviewed for it called PGS, your personal guidance system by an Australian filmmaker named Bill Bennett that's, you know, online. And there's a lot of very good people talking just about that question. Mm -hmm. How do people open up intuitively? Because it's there for us. But again, you know, we have to learn how to accept the information. The information that I'm going to get from my intuitive self may not be in the least bit what I want to hear which is one of the reasons as a psychic, I avoid reading for myself because I've got to be neutral mm-hmm. enough to be able to accept the information that comes,
1: even if it's not going to thrill my personality self. Mm-hmm. Got it. Is there any other way, like when you receive information as you're channeling mm-hmm. to, I guess, I mean, maybe it's, it, it connects to what you just said, but curious, like when you're channeling, is, is there a way you dis, you, Discern between, okay, is, is my is this my ma, is just is this just my mind? Yeah. I mean, is it just my mind speaking, or is it actually a pure information that's being channeled? Is there a way you distinguish that?
2: Yeah, how? yeah. The texture is different. The quality of language oh. is different. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 a little bit like using. I don't know why I want to use this weird example, but, you know, if you go into somebody else's house and you use their restroom, it's not yours. You know, the colors are different mm. on the wall. You know, where the where the sink is is different. There is a sense of otherness to it. Now, because I right. channel the same collective again and again and again, I'm comfortable with it, so I recognize it. And that's uh-huh. important to me because I want to be able to trust the source of the transmission, um and I do question the transmission that comes through. If my guide said to me while I was in a book dictation, you know, the moon really is made of green cheese, I'm screwed because it's going to end up in the book. But I would say, <laughs> you know, tell me what that means, and they would have to unpack it. They'd have to explain what they meant. So, you know, it's how could I say this? It, the, the, what I'm talking about is specific to the active channeling and the, what comes through me, the guides I work with are teachers, mm-hmm. so they're teaching mm-hmm. through — it's not like convenient and you know world predictions or personal predictions. My guide couldn't care less if I ever got into a relationship mm-hmm. or ever mm-hmm. bought the house of my dreams. That's just not what they care about. They care yeah. about the teaching yeah. coming through. So it's mm-hmm. not very good for self-seeking. And self-serving mm. psychic work can be a bit more helpful for that. But my guides are working on a spiritual level. They're not really working sort of psychic predictive astral. They'll do some of that work yeah. when yeah. it's of use to people. But much, much of that stuff just adds confusion to the mix. Wow. Know, I don't like them. I and if I'm reading for somebody and they say, am I ever going to be in a relationship? And I can be quite accurate with these things. But I say, you know, I'm seeing a guy with the, Elf, the Eiffel Tower tattooed on his forearm you know, and, 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 and a nipple piercing, hmm. you know, that's pretty specific. And I've been known to say those things. And I get a, I get an email, you know, six months later saying, Hey, I'm meeting, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dating the guy with the Eiffel power on <laughs> his arm and that's nice when it happens. But the challenge is people have free will. And if, you know, the next day that same person meets somebody without the tattoo who might make him or her very happy, I would be saddened mm-hmm. if they said, well, I can't be with you because I'm waiting for the tattooed person to show up. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, my guides never tell people what to do. They don't tell me what to do. They, I mean, I've often said, you know, They'll let me walk into traffic if I want to. But if I say, mm-hmm. is this a good time to cross the street? They might say,
1: not wise, which still means uh-huh. I have choice, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. yeah. Tell me a bit, talk a bit about that. You, you raise an interesting point about this concept of, free will, destiny. I mean, some some folks feel like, you know, just my life is destined. It's just my destiny. I'm, I'm destined to meet my soulmate at a certain time or, you know, so how much of life is in our control? Like, you know, the sense of I can create my reality into whatever I want it to be. I can manifest it. If I think it and I will it and I take action, I can make it happen. And how much is just Destined, because it sometimes seems like there's folks that, you know, I mean, they're kind of, I don't want to say screw, they kind of screw ups, and and yet Mm -hmm. they seem to be successful, or they have that career, and it just, things happen for them, you know, so what's that balance, and, and, and how do we play that? How do we play in that as human beings? Well,
2: this is what I understand from the teachings that come through me. We're always creating our lives and our reality, and this is happening on two levels. It's happening on the individual level, which is, you know, everything that you see that I see around us right now or in our world beyond the room we're sitting in, my guides would say we are in agreement too. And by agreement, Uh they mean vibrational accord. So nothing Mm -hmm. can be in resonance with you that you're not in resonance with. Now, mm. I would say, and I did say to the guys, well, what about the war in Iraq? And the guys say, well, you didn't create the war in Iraq, but you're in alignment to it. So the consciousness that you hold is contributing to its presence. How you perceive mm. anything and how you hold that in consciousness, they say, contributes to the thing. I mean, they say very simple things in their teachings. You know, what you bless, blesses you in return, and what you damn, damns you back. And they mm. actually say that these are energetic happenings so there's the Mm -hmm. collective agreements that we're operating with as well for example I can say well I'm not going to have a real relationship until I lose 30 pounds you know and I can Mm -hmm. say that's because that's what people say or you know this will always be the case the guides say you know we've lived in a world with war for so long that we just expect it and consequently we're always going to have it they say until we move Mm -hmm. to a level of consciousness where war is not even an option, which they say can happen. But we can't do that when we're replicating the known. So I do think that we're always creating. I do think, but I also think that we're creating from a list of shoulds that we've mostly inherited. I should be this. This is what a career should be. This is what happiness looks like. This is what beauty resembles. All of these things are really inherited constructs that we continue to empower. And what my guides talk about is, you know, moving beyond those agreements so that it's the aspect of self, the true self that doesn't Mm. experience itself as separate from its source goes into the claiming where this comes to the idea of will, you know, I mean, I, I believe that the claim thy will, not mine, can be extraordinarily helpful. It gets us out of the way. It's a, it's a bit of deferring mm-hmm. to the possibility that there is a higher will that might know better than I know, you know, as my personality. self, so I think that's very valuable. But What the guides I work with also teach is they talk about the braiding of the will, and the divine will, the true will, the will that knows and is in alignment with what's necessary for growth and development and moving beyond limitation. There's that will and there's also the yes. personality will. You know, I want a happy relationship and this is what it should look like and this is my type just in case you don't know it. You know what I mean? All that stuff. Not right. But the mm-hmm. guides say that there's a braiding of the will that happens and then you move into what they mm. call a unified will. So if you've heard, ever heard this claim, you know, I will to will thy will, which is a very high oh. claim, which is about alignment of will, that's what they're teaching more. But they are saying, in the midst of all this, we're always creating. They say, oh. and have said to me in some of my darkest times, you cannot be a master and a victim at the same time. You really can't have both. Oh. They say we all have these little frames that we walk oh. around with. And the purpose of the, pr- the frame is to fill what we expect it to be. So if I want to keep saying, I am never going to be understood, or the world doesn't understand me, and that's my frame, I'll continue to claim and align to, and move into vibrational accord with all that confirms that idea. So I'm oh. we're always getting to be right, which kind of stinks, mm. you know. Like <laughs> I can complain right. about stuff, but basically, I'm getting what I expect.
1: Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Beautiful, beautiful. So you triggered another question in terms of, let's say, I I really love the statement you said. Nothing can be in resonance that we are not in resonance. Yeah, we're not in resonance with, right? And so, Mm -hmm. um, so let's say someone has, uh, because I want to just distinguish, discern this, and really unpack this Mm -hmm. this piece of the conversation. Let's say someone Mm -hmm. they say, okay, Paul, you know, I've I've gone through so much shit in my life. You know, my childhood was screwed up. I was beaten and abused and raped or whatever, you know,
0: the suffering
1: from childhood. And, and they say, well, how the hell am I, how was I in resonance with that? I was born into an alcoholic family. It was screwed up. Mm -hmm. And, and so what, I guess, why does that happen? Why do we suffer? Why, why, you know, what, 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 what's your perspective for, for a person who's gone through, yeah, but like
2: I've look about everything places. on
1: the list that you just announced, so I understand it, oh, you know, and that was oh.
2: my big complaint. You know, I mm-hmm. didn't get into any of this stuff because things were going so terribly well, um, and I get it, and it's often been my complaint and my claim, but what I do have to, to trust is what the guides say, is that it's all an opportunity to learn every bit of it. Oh. Now, uh-huh. when I was in my darkest times, when I was in my late 20s, um, somebody was very kind to me, and they once said to me, you know, Paul, as dark as you've been, that's as much light as you can hold. And I hung on to that mm. for, for life for a little period of time. I needed some something. And if you know mm. anything about, like, 12-step programs, one of the things they'll say is, you know, no matter how far down the scale you have gone, you will see how your experience can benefit others, which I think yes. is also very oh. true. And I also know... That my ability to tune into other people and know you know really know what's going on with them and where they're coming from comes from the fact that I've had an enormous range of emotional experience in my life and I can resonate with it I can understand it and therefore perhaps be of some use I'm not a therapist I'm not a doctor I don't want to do those things but I can experience something so It's the challenge here is, I suspect, you know, things do happen that just seem impossible. You know, Um, I have a good friend who's a medium, and a very good one. Her name is Natalie Sudman, and um, I I don't well, I hope she's in mind that I'm talking about her in an interview. But Mm -hmm. you know, Natalie was an archaeologist, and she was on government assignment in Iraq, and she was blown up by a roadside bomb, and had Mm -hmm. amazing near-death experience. and, And she's truly gifted. And on one level, you know, when she came back from that, you know, and when she was able to understand it or was having her experience, she understood that it was something there to experience and to learn through. All of this is stuff to experience and learn through, you know, we just may not, they probably aren't any of the lessons that we would choose at a personality level, but they may be things that we're going to be benefiting from in terms of our soul's growth. I mean, the guides that I work with say, you know, if you look at the millionaire and you look at the beggar on the street, they're both learning lessons of abundance. They're both getting the same lessons in different ways. It's we, culturally, that decide that one is better than the other. In fact, they're not. They're different ways Hmm. to learn. You see, so we just have all this strata, you know, this whole, all this, I don't know, all of these things that we say should, shouldn't, you know. I mean, I, I believe we're all going to die, and that that's part yes. of life, and that God is birth and God is death, you know, and it's all these things. The guides I work with say God is all things or no things, and the realization of the divine in challenge. Um, in an atrocity and something that we would seek to condemn or deny God in that's where real development happens you know I was channeling a workshop in Calgary Alberta the weekend of the pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando which at the time was the biggest you know mass murder in the US that's unfortunately Mm -hmm. since been surpassed but I woke up Sunday morning to that news and I went how am I going to channel and the guide sat down in front of the class and did a whole lecture it's actually up on YouTube called how to deal with an atrocity you know which is really about the remembrance of the divine that must be present you know the guides say again and again and again the action of fear is to claim more fear and every Mm. time we act in fear we're empowering the fear and they say you cannot be the light and hold another in darkness. In fact, that's where you have to shine the light. And the inherent divine as you, the aspect of you or me or anybody that is that seed of God or whatever you want to call God, that's the part of you that recognizes the divine in anything else it sees. You see, these guides I work with say, you know, God sees God in all manifestation. It doesn't exclude anything. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge, but it's also the great
1: opportunity. Mm-hmm. are there any things i think is beautiful are there any things you can like if someone's going through a really dark moment paul or or they you know they're in a situation that is is everything is falling apart or you know and then yeah. and then and they feel like okay paul you, you, you're right i want i want to see god in in this moment but i can't you know? I I intellectually yeah. get it's for my learning. I mean, yes mm-hmm. but I fucking hate this moment. And, and so, yeah. are, are there any things? Are there any things you can point that they that they can even begin to move into that 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 perspective, that deeper realization of the inherent, you know, perfection and, sure. and, and divinity of the moment? Like what can, what what can they do? Well, that?
2: Surrender helps. You know, I mean, true surrender, true surrender, which is, I don't know how to do this. I can't Mm. fix this with the tools that I've had. I just went through a rough period like this. And boy, did I get leveled by it? You know, I mean, it was Mm. while I was dictating a book and I'm going, oh, I can't do Mm. this. But the book was all about what happens when we take off the mask of who we think we're supposed to be. And that's when all the crap gets revealed and boy did it get revealed and boy did I hate every freaking minute of it. It was really hmm. awful. But I did come out the other side, but the guide said, you know, this part of the journey is like going from one continent to another. And sometimes there are storms at sea and the best that you can do is strap yourself to the, to the masthead and ride it through. I think surrender is a good thing, and um, asking for help is enormously important. And I think we need to do that when we need to do that. Um, I mean, I can ask the guides what people should do. I haven't channeled on this, and it's always weird when I channel on somebody's show and I'm not introduced. I'm not expecting to, but let me (laughs) see if they want to say anything to this. They're saying allow God to help you. If you don't allow God, you're very hard. It's very hard to be helped. You have to give permission for great change, for a great change of consciousness, of consciousness. When pain is the teacher, pain will teach you. Pain will teach you without, without secession. Secession, and if you allow God, and if you allow God to become the teacher, to become the teacher, you, know, what I'm you will lose the reliance on pain to instruct you in life, to instruct you in life. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm going to do, I'm going to say this. You know, I, I, sometimes I tell this story, but you know, when I was 25, I was a year out of Yale. I was a playwright. I was getting produced in New York and London. I mean, I was in magazines. It, was, it looked like things were going great. And I was working yeah. on an opera for the Minnesota Opera Company, and they put me in a hotel room in the Gopher Campus Motor Lodge in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I didn't know where to find drugs in Minnesota. You know, I didn't know where anything. Mm-hmm. I just was having a rough night. You know, I was a 25-year-old hard-partying kid. And I didn't mm-hmm. know what my problem was. I knew I was in trouble in some way. And real sort of I mean not just the moment I kind of knew that whatever had felt or been wrong for quite some time wasn't going to get better whatever that was whatever the name was mm. you know the Gideons leave these old Bibles in the drawers and hotel rooms in the US and I I took it out and it said prayer for people in crisis and I said it I just said mm. the stupid thing and I let it go and three days later I woke up you know back in New York and I asked myself what I could do for myself that day that was positive and that was the first voice I heard telling me to get my act together and I listened to it and it was shocking and everything changed from everything changed as a result of that my entire trajectory of my life changed there's no question and mm. the work that I'm doing now is is the fruit of that but it was unexpected but it did come at a place where my personal will was of no real use to me at a moment yeah. in time. And that was, allowed me to become receptive. I don't think people need to be driven to their knees to align to source. I think the invitation is just as good. And, you know, one of the teachings the guides bring through now to students is the claim, I am known, I am known, I am known. And they say the divine as you, that part of God that is as you, is known by the greater source. And the claim, I am known, I am known, I am known, in some ways, supports us in realization because when we're not seeking it someplace outside of ourself, when we're simply allowing for the fact that it is because it must be,
1: we become available, you know, in a way perhaps that we wouldn't otherwise. Mm. Powerful, powerful. Well, what are some, what are some of the uh, at least what you've seen and what your guides teach in terms of uh, some of the biggest blocks, let's say, to someone's spiritual evolution, spiritual growth mm-hmm. that you've seen, and some of the things that we need to let go of on the yeah. you know to really evolve, to accelerate our evolution. Because I feel like these mm-hmm. times are intense times, and we're all being
0: yeah. you know
1: we're being called to a to a higher level here. So speak a bit about I, that. I agree.
2: Well, you know, they've dictated all these books, and each book seems to be a step on this mm. ladder, on this journey. In the third book, which they call The Book of Knowing and Worth, they they spoke to the inherent challenge we have, that we basically believe we're unworthy of our own true nature, our own son, daughtership, whatever you want to call it, with source, You know, they say, you know, there is inheritance that is there for us, but we have to claim it. And we're not going to claim what we don't feel we have a right to or is impossible. They say that, you know, we're always ordering off of the menu of what we expect or what we think is possible. And I grew up in a home where, you know, God was for stupid people. You know, when we snickered, people would pray over their food. I mean, we went to therapy. We didn't go to church. I was New York in the 60s. That's what we did. So it it wasn't none of this, none of the teaching that comes through me is at all convenient to me personally. But I do get that the basic issue of worth, we have a right to this. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to be good for it. Basically, the relationship with whatever you want to call God is, is available, but we have to say yes, and we have to also mm. claim our nature or as part of that. The guides work with attunements, and they're energetic attunements. They work directly on the reader, and one of them is, I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. And they say the aspect of you or me or anyone, that divine self knows who it is, knows who he or she is. I know who I am. I know what I am means in manifestation, in this life, in this body, in this experience. And they say how we serve is how we're expressed as that. And the claim of freedom, I am free, I am free, I am free really is about that false inherited ceiling That we've given so much power to that keeps us in this belief that we're separate screw that you know we don't have to keep confirming it just because we were raised to believe it Mm -hmm. so that's one thing fears the big one and the guides say you know again the action of fear is to claim more fear and every choice you make in fear Probably doesn't get you more of the same. So just look at your life, look at the last choice you made because you were afraid and see what it got you. Probably you'll see it was more fear. So, a simple thing some people can do is just not act on the fear. You know, listen instead to the higher. The true self, they say, that aspect of the divine that is you is never afraid, and that is the aspect of you that knows. And if you look at your own life, probably there's never been a moment when you had real, true knowing, like I knew the relationship was over, or even I knew the medical diagnosis stank, whatever it might be. There's no Mm. fear in that moment. The fear is always about what's going to happen next, you know? Mm. But in knowing, there's no fear. So when you can operate from your knowing, you're actually in a higher alignment.
1: Um, What are the big blocks? can you just speak to, can you speak to, just before we go into the next block, because this mm-hmm. is really good stuff. Yeah. It, can you speak to fear a little bit? Because sure. I know fear often is, is what stops us from opening our yeah. hearts, stops us from committing, stops us from following, you know, speaking our voice, being our true selves. I mean, stops us mm-hmm. from pursuing our purpose. And so let's mm-hmm. say we're stuck in fear, in a moment of fear. We're afraid to speak. Yeah. We're afraid to do something. Yeah. How, how do we work with the fear in the moment? Is there any, any well, guidance I, you have there? I'm going to go to the guides with
2: this one. Don't listen to it. Well, the first thing they're mm-hmm. saying is don't listen to it. Don't give it power. Don't give it power. Thank it for being there. Thank it for being there. Go back and Go about your business. You know, that's really the action of fear, again, is to claim more of itself. So the guides say even fear is of God. It just doesn't know it is. It acts basically Uh on on a rogue energy. You know, it's denying its source. But, you know, anything and everything, they say in totality, must be of source. Nothing can be outside it. God is all things or nothing. And they say that must be inclusive of fear. But they do say fear is a lie. You know, it's always Mm -hmm. a lie. Now, I tend to make a distinction between prudence and you know, um, and perhaps caution and fear. I mean, I live in Manhattan. I have a lock on my door. You know, it's not a bad right. thing to do. I don't have 20 locks on my door. But yeah, I'm just right. saying, you know, this is, my, this is my place. And, you know, and perhaps one day I will be so evolved that everybody's welcome to come and take everything that I've got. But I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> Maybe one day. So um, what I'm going to ask, what, they, what, what else do we do about fear? They're saying, you know, you can let fear teach you if you want it, but it's not the best teacher. Ask for, a higher teacher. Mm. Ask for a higher teacher. You know, I can learn through sticking my hand in a fire that it's not good to stick your hand in a fire. You know, I can learn yes, through yes. that. But there are other ways I can learn the same lessons. I can learn not mm. to drink and drive by killing 12 people behind a wheel. You know, I mean, mm. God, God forbid that should happen, but there are other yeah. ways to learn our lessons. And I do feel that we keep getting the same lessons until and in gentle ways and then in harder ways, perhaps, if we don't learn the opportunities that they present. And again, this goes back to this being school. So I don't know if this is enough. I mean, the guides, it's in every book. The guides go off on teachings of fear and how to, how to lift beyond it. But if you go to the idea of co-resonance, and this is a simple idea, if I'm in alignment to fear, that's the level of vibration that i'm I've come to that simple claim that I gave you, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know how I serve if you, if you if I'd say if you claim that, it'll call your energy back into present time because you can only know in the present moment mm. everything else you know fear tends to operate in projection the what ifs not in the present moment, so you can lift above fear. But you can't do it if you're propelling it forward and continuing to to dance with it. You know, the guides say everything mm-hmm. in your life you're shaking hands with. What you shake hands with, you hold. What you hold, you're in vibrational accord to. If you don't like what you're holding, let it go.
1: You know, mm-hmm. stop dragging it back into the present moment. Mm-hmm. I like that. If you don't like what you're holding, let it go. Yeah. And sometimes we, we we refuse to. We sometimes we just keep holding sure. on. And so yep. yeah. But are there any other uh, blocks that you were you were gonna address in terms of our spiritual evolution, unworthiness, you know, about true nature, fear? Yeah. Was it was there anything I think else? The
2: you big thought? one is identity. The big one is
1: the big oh. one is the
2: idea of the personality <laughs> self and the mistaken idea that we are the personality self. That that's mm. where we begin and end. And the guides Mm -hmm. say the true self as you isn't, you know, I'm 57 years old. My true self isn't 57. You know, it's expressing perhaps through somebody who goes by that timeline, you know, and is in this body and is living in this city and having these experiences. But the true self as you is not those things, you see? Mm -hmm. And so when we ascribe Mm -hmm. identity through all of the cultural expectations that we've inherited, whether it be you know, ethnicity, age, religion, economic status, education, all that stuff that's really just stuff that we've given credence to because they're just a bunch of ideas, the guides would say, these are just ideas that we've given authority to. So the idea of releasing the idea of who we are, it's, the personality has a place. Nothing wrong with it. It knows it's helpful, I think, to know whose kid to pick up at daycare at the end of the day, you know, and but I think that stuff is necessary. But the guide said to me when I was in my thirties, and I'm ninety percent sure I heard this in channel I didn't read it, because I wrote it down and stuck it on a piece of paper in a book. But what I heard was freedom will come when the throne relinquishes its king. And I didn't understand it at the time, and now I understand it. Who sits in the throne? What aspect of self? is Who's running the show? Is it my small self, a personality self, who wants everything to go his way, demands to be agreed with on my terms? Or is it the true self who knows far better and who isn't afraid and who isn't seeking to justify or be affirmed or any of those things? The true self, the guides would say, knows who or he or she is, you mm-hmm. know, and, and doesn't require external validation, because why would it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so once we move out of that sort of trap, we begin to get everything, which is a realization, I suspect, of who everybody else is, too, without their masks on. You know, the guides say, God sees God in everything, You know, to walk down the street and to witness everyone you pass as of source is, I mean, I don't do plant medicine. That's not my thing. But people who come to my workshop say it's like plant medicine. They're having these large experiences with energy and consciousness and realization just through aligning to that innate part of themselves that knows these things to be true.
1: Got it. Beautiful. Beautiful. The idea of this, this illusory idea of the personality self. Mm-hmm. Ah, beautiful. I want to just shift gears with a couple more questions, Paul. And mm-hmm. uh, sure. you know, you, you you've been on the path uh, quite a while, and uh, I heard you saying a bit earlier that you you've been uh, kind of facilitating these weekly groups for 18 years, mm-hmm. and you got fed up, took a couple of years off, and you know, obviously mm-hmm. we started yeah. again. So on your path yeah. as as a channel, as a teacher, um, I guess I'm curious why you got fed up. And mm. I'm wondering in, in moments where you felt like given, giving up, what has kept you, or have you felt like giving up, what's kept you going? Mm-hmm. And so why did you why, why why did you get fed up in that moment, and what's what's kept you going because you know this is not necessarily an easy path sure uh, to, no. to to teach and, and and be on the spiritual path so uh yeah. to hear
2: about that. i mean at that time, I was in my mid thirties i guess maybe getting to mid to late thirties I don't recall um and you know i who was doing this group in my apartment, people were coming and the work that started to come through me changed and the guys mm. started bringing through these energetic attunements, which they still are. And it was <laughs> nothing my old teacher had taught. It was nothing that I had any real frame of reference for. I was being asked to step forward in this work and it frightened me that I didn't want to take responsibility. And wow. I also, you know, and I was also aware I'm not a good new ager. You know, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, I'm just not, I've never been, you know, it's not how, I mean, I, I have nothing against it, It's just not been, I've never been comfortable with unicorns and rainbows. And, you know, it's just not me. Uh, and around uh, that time, I think I was witnessing a few things in the world. Um, I was witnessing group think in, in some sections that I found <clears> destructive that bothered mm-hmm. me um, and there was a kind of spiritual I don't know what the word is um, materialism that was prevalent that I was encountering mm-hmm. and I just wanted to get a partner and I wanted to go back and write a play I hadn't done that you know it's like I just wanted a regular little life and so mm-hmm. I stopped I broke with a mentor you know I stopped with. I just stopped I stopped the group in my apartment and I got it, I, you know, wrote something and I got a relationship for a little while and my ex, when my ex mm. found out I could do this, I used to hear, ask, ask, the guides this, ask the guides that, which is when I found that I could read and be a very good mm. reader because I was a captive psychic for somebody who had questions. And my ex at the time was trying to start a business in lower Manhattan and wanted to know whether they were going to be able to make the rent on the office space, um, Hmm. you know, for the second month. Hmm. And the guides I work with said no. And the big question was hmm. why? And the answer was, well, there's going to be a terrorist attack in lower Manhattan. And indeed there hmm. was. And, um, hmm. you know, I, start, I, I don't get world readings. I wasn't expecting to hear anything like that. I didn't believe it because, you know, anyway... After that happened, I started the group again in my apartment. I lived in lower Manhattan. So, you know, as soon as the streets were open, I reconvened a group and I never stopped working again, you know. And um, that's why I started again, not because of that, but because of the accuracy of the information overrode my resistance to it. I think that was yeah. part of it. And I also... At this point, I mean, now I look at my life, yeah. you know, and I've left NYU after 25 years. I've left. I'm on the board of Goddard College now, but I'm, I'm no longer, you know, running an academic program. But for the most mm. part, there's so much video of me channeling all over the web, and I look like a nut doing it. And I know that sure. but there's nothing I can do about it. It's, it's not oh. elegant. It looks loony. And what are you going to do? So I think the likelihood of my becoming in some place, which is kind of the path that I was on for probably is not going to happen. And this is yeah. the work that I'm doing. And I'm grateful for the work that I'm doing. I may never understand it mm. ever, you know, mm. um, but, you know, it's what I do mm. and maybe one day I will. And you know, maybe I'll keep doing it until it doesn't matter if I do or not
1: anymore. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, this has been a, a very enlightening conversation, folks. If you're tuning into this episode of Soul Talk, I'm with a uh, spiritual channel and medium an author Paul Selig, sharing his his insights and wisdom. Paul, one question I'd like to ask towards the end of the interview is: you know, if as if, if you, I, I guess I'm going to put two questions in one. As you look at humanity. um What do you feel? Yeah, where do you feel we are as a humanity in our development, and what do you feel as a humanity we need to to do to shift? I mean, I don't want to say just the kind of the seeming mess that we're in right Mm -hmm. now, you know, with the environment and the political, just so much has happened, and so any 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 words for humanity as as a whole, so that we can. You know, fulfill our potential.
2: Well, I know what the guides have said, and they said this in their very first book, which they dictated in 2009. And they said, and they're still saying that they're saying humanity is at a time of reckoning. It's a crossroads we're at right now. Mm. And they say a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations, and that everything that's been created in fear needs to be recreated in a higher way. What we're seeing right now is the dissolution of structure. And they say everything that's not in truth is basically going to crumble. And they say in truth, a lie will not be held. And this includes things that we've invested great power in. Economic structures, mm. religious structures, all of these things are having to be re-articulated as the guides word or reknown in a higher way. And our attachment to what was in the face of perhaps what wants to be born in its place is part of the struggle. I don't think the guides yeah. are teaching anarchy. I think that they're teaching realization. And they say how we can help this is to realize the inherent divine that must exist in all things because that realization will lift these structures, will transform what we see to a higher way of being. But I see and I hear this as great opportunity for us, just not convenient and not necessarily terribly graceful because, you know, even in my case, I can be very attached to my pain and the things that don't work because it's how I've known myself. And we have a whole world right now looking at everything that we've created going, what the hell is this? And even though it doesn't work, it's like the cage is rattling us. We're not even rattling the cage. The cage is rattling us because it can't stand in the way that it has anymore. And what I'm beginning to get the sense of is that there's no real door in the cage except the one that we place there. We have the option to move beyond, to lift above, to resee, wow. to re beyond the collective wow. conditioning of fear. And so it is great opportunity. That's how I hope, and that's what I know.
1: Mm. Mm. So it sounds like you're hopeful as you yeah. look ahead. Yeah,
2: yeah I am. Do I think it's gonna be pretty? Not necessarily, but you know, <laughs> if you've ever cleaned your apartment, really cleaned it, or even cleaned out a closet, it looks uh, yeah. worse before it gets better, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. things have to when, be seen so that they can be
1: when, re- released. Yeah. We're in that mm-hmm. purification process for sure. Yeah. Uh, Paul,
0: if there if there were
1: you know you've shared so much in this conversation. If if there were let's say we were to distill some things. If there were let's say three key life lessons that you have learned in your life, maybe the most important ones that you feel if you could only share these three key points mm-hmm. with the next generation, the you know, and the, and the generations after that, mm-hmm. that would. Evolve yeah. the next generation the most. What would the three key life lessons be that you'd like to pass on to the next generation?
2: You can't be the light and hold another in darkness. The action of fear is to claim more fear and know who you are at the cost of what has been. Don't look to the past for evidence, look to, look to the inherent moment, the moment of truth, the moment of truth, the divine within, the divine within, for the answers, for the answers, find them. I'm hearing, and this is from my guides, they're saying you will find them. Mm.
1: Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Know who you are at the cost of what has been, folks. Yes. Beautiful message from Paul Selig. Paul, Thank you for just sharing so generously today on Soul Talk. Your heart, your soul, your spirit—lots of uh, powerful information uh, that you shared. Um, I've definitely taken lots of notes today. Uh, what's the best way that uh, those listening in can find out about your your work? Is there a website? I know you have a new book, Beyond the Known Realization, a channel textbook uh-huh. one. Part of a Beyond the Known trilogy. Really excited about that, folks. So definitely check that book out. Beyond the Known, Realization, Paul's new book. Uh, I'm digging in myself. It's it's really inspiring. And so, uh, what's what's the best way people can connect with you and your work and your events? What's the best? Sure. Website? My website is paul
2: p a u l s e l i g dot com. There's a calendar of events there. I'm all over the place, usually two mm-hmm. or three places a month, two cities or three cities or countries sometimes. And um, I do live stream channelings pretty much every Wednesday night. So that's an opportunity to receive a lecture and ask questions from the guides as well.
1: All that information is on the website, mm-hmm. paulselig.com. Beautiful. Well, definitely, uh, folks, will We'll be posting all of Paul's info on the show notes, so check that out, paulsellig.com. Lots of great information on his website. And definitely check out Paul's books. He has lots of uh, amazing, amazing books to, to check out and read. The Book of Freedom is another great one. The Book of Truth, The Book of Mastery, The Book of Knowing and Worth, The Book of Love and Creation. Uh, lots of great stuff, and I am the word, Paul. Thank you for coming on. Folks,
0: please uh, send me
1: an email. Coop Blackson at coopblackson.com. Uh, as always, I love hearing from you. I want to know your key takeaways from today's unique episode, key insights. Um, but one thing I didn't ask, could you assign uh, a homework assignment as we wrap up? If there's a specific homework assignment, one simple action that those listening in could take uh, immediately as a result of this conversation to apply uh, what you've been sharing? Is there one thing that they can go do?
2: Yeah, close your eyes, make a decision that you're willing to see or to witness the inherent divine that must be in all things, and then open your eyes again and align to the potential that there is source or a vibration that you can call God that makes up everything. And if you're really ambitious, walk down the street and just see the inherent Mm -hmm. divine
1: in those you pass. You'll be surprised at what you get amazing folks you heard that homework assignment from paul selig psychic medium author channel text uh thanks for joining us today folks look forward to your email definitely download this episode subscribe and please share this episode with all your friends and uh i'll catch you next week on a new episode of soul talk love now everyone blessings